let's talk about what blockchain is. In a way, it's just a decentralized database. But why there is so much hype about uh, around it? Because for me, this technology allows you to manage a community of motivated people in a decentralized way. Welcome to a Bit Cryptic podcast, where we interview top crypto experts to take you down the rabbit hole into the world of cryptocurrency. Now, it's time to get a bit cryptic. Hey, Cryptonauts, this is Jeff Peterson, and I'm here with my co-host, Alain Leon, aka Bitcoin Bango. And today we are with Mr. Alex Lopatin, who is executive chairman of Blockchain Shift. Blockchain Shift is one of the premier cryptocurrency conferences here in Miami coming up October 11th and 12th. So that is real soon. But luckily for you, our listeners, we are giving away 10 tickets right here on the podcast. And we are going to tell you exactly how to get those by the end of the podcast. So stay tuned and listen. And some of the, we're actually going to be doing a little quiz to give it away. So you have to find the answers as we talk. But more on Alex. Alex is also managing partner at Part Capital, which creates, acquires, and invests in fintech companies. He is also co chair of the Florida Blockchain Foundation, which is officially opening next week. He is also executive chairman of Wish, which is a conversation commerce platform which is also launching next week. So Alex, you remind me of a student during finals right now, cramming everything in one week, and yet you are surprisingly calm, which amazes me. And what's your secret? <laughs> yeah. Well, first of all, many people are helping me. I'm not alone in this game. And uh, we are actually implementing the principles of this. We're actually implementing the principles of decentralization. And not only in terms of the technology, but also in terms of processes. And funnily enough, it works. I'm never saying that people work for me at this stage of my life. I'm saying people work with me. And I'm lucky to have a great team of people working on those initiatives. So you have backup? I definitely do. I can, you know, do interviews and talk to interesting people. And, you know, I have other guys doing, doing their work as well. Yeah. You get to be the one uh, sitting here while someone else is sweating with stress because they don't want to look bad in front of you. <laughs> but you seem like a calm guy, you know. You're doing a good job. I know. So, uh, tell us a little bit about your uh, background. I enjoyed, by the way. I hope so. <laughs> I want to hear a little bit about who is Mr. Alex Lopatine. What is your background? How did you end up in this crazy blockchain space? Well, for me, it's natural. I have a law degree. I used to be a banker, not an investment banker, but a retail banking. Then I started to uh, work on retail banking technology. Five years ago, I moved to Miami. Yeah, I grew up in Switzerland and in New York, Switzerland. And then I also worked in Germany and uh, in Russia and Israel. And I, um, uh, I founded here in Miami a company called Nimbus. Nimbus with a Y. It's a core banking platform. First cloud-based bank-in-a-box type of platform for community banks and credit unions here in the U.S. And I raised more than $14 million for this company. I was founder and CEO and uh, big investors, Inside Venture Partners, Home Credit Bank, bank that's a, it's one of the largest banks in Eastern Europe from the Czech Republic. And two years ago, I left my full-time operating position there in order to focus on um, Park Capital. And the mission of Park Capital is to replatform retail banking. And obviously, I was reading about blockchain a lot and... Uh, 
trying to understand what it is, what could be the implications. And at one point, I had the, you know, the aha moment and, uh, and started to actively learn and uh, work on an ICO or wish for one of our portfolio companies and uh, work with lawyers, advisors. And, uh, and I, I have to say a few words about our strategy, which is a little bit unusual. So our strategy as a holding company is to, uh, is to really first, uh, uh, we, we or create businesses from scratch in the fintech space, or we acquire existing companies with, an ex- with a client base of banks or credit unions, and we upgrade the software and then start scaling the company. And usually, our capital is financing the company until the MVP is done, until the first clients are alive, and then we, uh, we start scaling the business. We don't intend to make to have hundreds of businesses. We're not so far. We're not investing into anything that we don't control, and uh, we're not spraying and praying like many VCs. And we're not a VC, and uh, we're really a conglomerate. And we have subject matter experts in every company and their partners. And we're laser focused on replatforming banking as we know it in the first place, retail banking. I want to go back a little bit into uh, your history. So you said you were in retail banking before, and now it seems that a number of the products you are working on and are offering are for retail bankers, right? So some of them are B2B SaaS products. Some of them are B2B2C, but with a big kind of payments and financial services. So what did you see while you were in the retail banking side that you thought to yourself, okay, blockchain would be good for this? Because it almost seems like you were there inside and you saw the issues firsthand. Definitely. Well, there are a few things. Number one, you have the model itself. The model needs to change. The model is unfair. Today, in general, let's talk about what blockchain is. In a way, it's, it's just a decentralized database. But why? But why there's so much hype about it, around it, right? Why? Because for me, it's a, this technology allows you to manage a community of uh, motivated people in a decentralized way. And that means you don't need an authority, somebody that you can trust or you have to trust and somebody that can hide something from you. And uh, that means that potentially thanks to blockchain, that, which could be the new internet, we could move from those archaic uh, centralized structures that keep us in the 20th century and keep us from progressing, we could move to community-driven businesses and processes in our society. Potentially, blockchain could force people to, be, to become more honest, not because they want to, but because they have no choice. And potentially, the structures that we have today, where you have big corporations, not transparent, where the, the, the board and the, the executive team are not motivated to create a product that uh, their consumers need, but are rather motivated to sell something with a maximum margin, with the minimum amount of risk for the exec team. And that leads us to have people are consuming stuff that they shouldn't consume. And they, and they also, they're motivated to buy too much, things that they don't need. And it becomes this, everything is kind of greed driven, everything is competition driven, instead of being uh, collaboration driven, and instead of being driven by 
I mean, it might sound funny, like especially in our cynical society, the kind of greater good. But if you eliminate all the layers between the needs of the consumer and the people who produce the product, you will see that, you know, first of all, things could be much cheaper. Second, could be, you know, those products could be much more evolved. If there's like a more rapid feedback between exactly. the customer know, and the community is developing those products, starting from, you know, we can, we can talk about the pharma industry and how long, how, how much does it cost to launch a drug and the incentive of this industry to sell, you know, drugs developed in the 50s or the 60s over and over again, when you have more and more researches that, you know, why do you have cancer, right? So I have a question to me, and, and that's sort of the, the promise of blockchain for a lot of us. I don't see that perhaps as something that a retail banker is going to come to you for, right? That'll probably be the end product. I was kind of sort of wondering, what are you offering them that's going to yeah. give them a value add? I can come back to retail banking. But the, the point is that today you have two things in retail banking. Number one, and you, you all touched this, you have the uh, antiquated technology that the banks are using and, they, and you suffer from this because technically you expect a bank to be fully digital and they cannot be because they still 90% of them are still running on mainframe. You know, you know, the tapes, the green screens, the old style. So um, IBM still sells a ton of mainframes, for different industries. So there is, there is five companies that monopolize the whole banking technology world. Like 80% of banks are using their products. Two companies, the largest ones, never created any software. Those are, you know, M&A shops. They just buy stuff. And by M&A, I'm not... Um, merger and acquisition. They basically acquire companies and they don't develop software and they're not motivated to develop software. First of all, they just don't know how to do it. Second, they, uh, they don't want to take the risk. So, and because they're driven by financial engineering and by politics, they just buy a company that has a product that they, where they can, you know, cut the head office, add the revenue to their, to their P&L, show to the shareholders that, you know, the profits are growing. But at the end, the banks are getting a pile of non-integrated uh, software where the credit cards division doesn't know what's happening in the uh, commercial banking division or in the, in the business banking. So every time you call a bank, first of all, why, do, why would you have to call a bank when you could chat with a bank? Then you call them up. They really don't know. They don't know your history. They don't know that you own this LLC. They don't know that you have a credit card. They're not even able to score you properly. And they use one of those, you know, scoring agencies. And at the same time, the big, big banks are investing a lot in technology, but a lot of it is really upkeeping the legacy infrastructure. Like JP Morgan Chase has like 10 cores, I think, because they were acquiring banks all over the years. And uh, they're investing in, in a kind of middleware layer. But small banks are not able to do that. So banks are handcuffed by a small number of legacy software vendors. And because the business was too easy for years, because well, what's a bank? It's a license to get your money and store it for you and basically lend it out for you. And yeah, but funnily enough, and this is the second point, the model is broken. It's a little bit unfair because they pay you, you know, 0.5%, 0.1%, and they make three to 4% on it. I mean, sometimes they make more, but at the end, if when the ratio of unpaid loans, yeah, because sometimes it's 20%, right? 25. But it's still 5 to 25% in terms of interest fees, interest margin. And, uh, but it, it still comes down to this 4%, 3% margin, depending, depending on the cycle. 
So you as a depositor, you get 1% to 10% of the margin and they get the bigger chunk. Right, the much bigger chunk, yeah. So, yeah. so you're saying let's start aligning, let's use blockchain to start aligning incentives for the community as opposed to for profit margins. So it's essentially like a collaboration tool. So the banks, let's say, and also at the same time, the technology is like number two line item for the bank in terms of in their budget. So they, they pay a lot for this legacy technology. They pay a lot for card processing, for payments, still, you know, for processing checks because those, they have no choice. You know, those companies are basically, have basically monopolized the market. And when we were, when I was working on Nimbus, this cloud-based uh, core banking company, our youngest competitor was a, a Windows 3.1 product wow. dating from 1993. But the rest of the market is the 70s, the 80s, the mainframe. So all the boltons that were developed, like you know, online banking, mobile banking, bill pay, and uh, you know, teller and ATM, all of this got integrated to the core, which is basically the banking ledger. That's like a quick box for banks where you process the accounts, the deposits, the loans, the transactions, and store the basic customer information file. So all of this is a non-integrated pile of crap that the banks are paying a ton of money for. The large banks are trying to, you know, they have bigger budgets. They're trying, they're working, also they're working actively on the blockchain, right? Blockchain technology, testing it, like Chase created Quorum, and there's many things that are happening in the big banking world. I'm a big fan of working with small refinancial institutions. So what we're working on is to creating to create a network of smaller financial institutions to allow access for fintech companies to integrate to that stack and to offer their products to the banks so the banks could offer it to their to their clients and at the same time allow software developers to you know implement this for banks support it for banks host it for banks and that way create an ever expanding ecosystem of uh, technology products that would be used by the banks, by the fintech companies, by the software developers, by the impl implementation expert, experts, and the end consumers would profit, right? And if you think of the sure. uh, Park Capital that we're talking about right now? Park Capital is the holding company, is the mission of the... That's, so the mission of it is to, to integrate all these... We need different components of the whole stack, and some of them would be businesses, and some of them would be, uh, you know, blockchain networks, like, you know, proto what we're working on something that we will announce as well, probably during the conference. But the overall goal is to integrate all these disparate tools that before banks were using these outdated things that didn't talk to each other yes. and you guys are creating like this unified. Exactly. We put it on the blockchain cool. and we have a way how to convert the banks from the legacy technology without you know, scaring them off that they need to convert everything all at once converted basically step by step while keeping the mainframe running and adding more and more tools, more and more technological products that or for the bankers or for the consumers or things that constitute basically the, the key elements of the banking infrastructure and move the banks from the mainframe into the blockchain. Not immediately. It's going to take time. So I want to shift now to uh, this conference that you guys have next week, Blockchain Shift. Could you tell us a little bit about blockchain shift and kind of the philosophy and the idea going into this conference. I can explain how, how we actually came up with explain this idea. <laughs> so it's just an interesting story potentially for your listeners. So the, uh, for your audience. So we started to work on this ICO for Wish, for one of our companies. We thought, okay, we have a product. We invested, you know, time and money into creating this product. And uh, now we thought we're just going to hire lawyers, advisors, 
we're going to do an ICO because you know, that's a cool way to raise money. And we actually have a real use case for a utility token, right? It's not like we're making this up. So, okay, let's do an ICO because we want to raise a ton of money and then we don't know yet what we're going to do with it. And let's come up with the use for the blockchain, write the white paper, let's go, right? So we actually have a use, still have a use case for utility token. So we started to work with, you know, lawyers, advisors. We had the biggest names that we have written. But because I have a law degree, because I might I used to be a banker, because I know technology and I know business, I did something before. And uh, I decided to approach it in a diligent way. So a group, four groups of lawyers working for us. I met, first time I met a group in LA in September last year who told me, who gave me a one pager and said, advisors, ICO advisors, said, pay us $100,000, going to help you raise the money. This is what you, what you have to pay, you know, some percentage of the raise, which is technically illegal if they're not investment bankers, if your tokens are deemed to be securities, right? So, and they gave me this one pager and let's go, let's go, let's go. I said, hold on, whoa, 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 whoa. It's up to you if you like to kind of, you know, be careless, but I have something to lose. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to risk it. So I decided to do my own research. On the way, you know, I was really six months. We're trying to find a compliant way how to do an ICO. And we really went through, you know, the cycles of understanding, okay, what's a security token? What's a security? What is the utility token? How can you launch a utility token? What's a commodity token? You know, how do you work? How do you launch a transactional token that, that is stable that you can actually use for transactions, right? Because no merchants would be interested in transacting in a, in a token that's as volatile as Bitcoin, you know, and, and also Bitcoin as a network or even Ethereum are very slow. We know that, right? And uh, for me, actually, Bitcoin and Ethereum are like AOL and Yahoo of the internet age. The next, the, the Google and Amazon are still, maybe somebody is building them. Maybe we are. We shall see. <laughs> a year from now, Alex back with the, the Amazon, Amazon coin. Yeah. <laughs> it took 20 years to build Amazon to what it is, right? And then there was ups and downs. It's not that easy to build a business. Not many people in the crypto world think that, okay, like, you know, they think it's going to like, let's decentralize. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> this is a white paper. A lot of the people that we talk to, pretty much everybody says that overnight success usually takes about 10 years. Exactly, exactly. So, yes, yeah, so we did our homework and, uh, and funnily enough, at one point I met uh, Dan Viola and we hired him and he's a lawyer from New York, ex-SEC, by the way, ex-FINRA. I don't, I don't know that that's uh, good around, you know, that's this, good. yeah. <laughs> Old people and, and I mean, you know, I, I don't like to say, but for me, when people say, I'm in crypto, what does that mean? Because you have... Like blockchain cannot really exist without different other components. Works very well, very well with AI. You still need the web, the web utility, so you cannot just you know. And crypto is really a, a way to motivate the community within the network, right? It could be a crypto kind of currency, a real transactional kind of token. It could be a utility token, kind of, but or it could be a security token. But crypto in itself is just one of the components, one of the elements. It's like saying you're in the file industry just because you're you're in the internet kind of related business. Yeah, I think what happens a lot is that especially the old timers in, in, in blockchain sort of see the SEC and probably a lot of uh, government, different factions, organizations of the government as the old guard, as that which they're trying to replace with more, with more efficient uh, open systems. 
Well, but so far, you see what's happening in the market. So far, most of those guys just raise money and then spend it. And by the way, broke many laws on the way. And uh, even the whole the whole market making and uh, is uh, a little bit illegal and it's a little bit of a pump and dump scheme. And most of them, you know, we, and soliciting exchanges yeah, is illegal as yeah, well. We, and we, the exchanges are a little bit. Uh, There's all these shady things that happen. Yeah. They just trade, you know, among their own wallets and. Uh, it's like, you know, it's like when you sometimes, do you see sometimes on a, on a travel, online travel portal when you, yeah. like all, the, all of a sudden the price of a hotel goes up because you, you checked it a few times, yes, exactly. right? The same, exactly the same happens with those crypto exchanges, right? Because they, they it's, it's a scam in a way. So it's, it's, it's a good chamber. Yeah, it's, it's not right. And, but at the same time, many of those people, they never thought about really their business plan, even if it's decentralized. There needs to be, yeah, there needs to be some kind of a mission. You know, you need to scale it. Uh, you need to not not you, the community, but there needs to be, you know, a reason to exist other than listing the token and and pumping it, and then the investors cash out. I mean, the founders cash out, the advisors cash out, and then you leave a community without a product and the token without a reason to exist, and then you're probably saying that the government, the SEC is bad. For me, it's like it's immature, and for me, people like that are actually giving our industry a bad, bad image, right? Because you should, people should be, um, should understand that it's, it's first of all, at this stage, what would you do without the government? I mean, the, I lived in many countries in the uh, on this planet. The U.S. is a, is a great country, and I'm proud of saying that you know I I want to I want to live here until until I die. And uh, that's one of the best countries in the world. So why would you say that I mean, you don't like the fact that your streets are safe? You don't like the fact that you have an actually a, a judicial system that actually works? Yeah, I, I think it's easier for people just to like, uh, just with every system, you know, it's easier to see faults in things than it is to like see all the good things about it. Like same with our healthcare. It's like our healthcare is broken, but it's like, well, you know, we still got a lot of good stuff that's working. Yeah, okay, so let's fix it. Broken doesn't mean that, you know, you shouldn't have any healthcare. It doesn't mean you should throw it away. Yeah. Exactly. Or banking, yeah, we can fix it. If you have a broken model, you have, you know, the technology, the technology sucks. It's very difficult to convert banks to a new stack. It takes time. It takes time to, to kind of sell something to a bank and then it takes time to convert. But you still need banks. You will still want to get loans somewhere. So I want to bring us back to the story you're telling us about blockchain shift. We kind of went on kind of a tangent. Yeah, there. yeah. <laughs> I, I drug us out there. I'm sorry. It's fine. So, it's fine. so, but blockchain shift. So then a lawyer that we hired and uh, and we became friends and I was sponsoring a number of conferences. I was on stage at Consensus, Crypto Invest Summit and, uh, you know, many conferences while we were working on this, uh, you know, ICO for Wish that we didn't do. We don't even have a white paper. We have a product. We have paying clients. Hired a bunch of lawyers. We have invested, uh, you know, millions, and uh, we still don't have a white paper. Right? This is the, the funny part. And uh, when we're, we're starting a security token raise actually next week, and we're going to launch free tokens. It's like it's going to be the uh, potentially the first cryptocurrency that is U.S. based, U.S. compliant, and addressing the U.S. market ideal combination of AI and blockchain, all the cool things that the blockchain brings. At the same time, there is a 
one part that is business and the other part that is decentralized and and it would be grown by a community and it's a it's a kind of a hybrid beast. hybrid beast with the, <laughs> the way it should be like, like and, and we're gonna see a lot of public uh, private blockchains and a lot of blockchains kind of interacting and but in a way what we're doing is we're digitizing digitize we're we're, we're making the kind of uh, commerce conversation now. Wait, wait, get, tell, tell us a story. Okay, okay yeah, yeah, we don't want to go there. I didn't know it was my... Uh... So, all those conferences, lines to pick up the badges. Nobody is really taking care of you in terms of setting up appointments for you with investors, right? Even if you're a sponsor. It's all about ICOs. You will not see on the side of blockchain shift. You will not see anywhere ICO. It's all about two guys. This is my white paper. We're starting the ICO. Send me some ether. Blah, blah. And uh, nobody talks about technology. Nobody talks about how blockchain could um, could change the world for better. Nobody talks about the impact uh, blockchain could um, uh, could have in various industries. But also, nobody really takes nobody. Uh, so far, I haven't seen a conference that really thinks about the the sponsors and the attendees, and it, just even in terms of food. Like I'm pescatarian and gluten free. And I just eat wild fish and I'm allergic to sulfites. I'm not even able to drink, you know, wine that is heavy in sulfites. I'm not just not drinking alcohol anymore. But at those conferences, you simply have nothing to eat. And there's no, there's no infrastructure for networking. People are just standing in corridors. And there is no, there is no, nobody is setting up appointments for you. They just give you a list sometimes and you do whatever you like with it. Nobody's really, so people come there, they spend tens of thousands of dollars or thousands of dollars, spend a week of their time. Yeah, you get 10 business cards. The networking events, sometimes people don't even think that when you have 4,000 guys, by the way, it's a little bit weird, 4,000 guys yeah. at a networking event, right? It's nice to talk blockchain, but you also you want to have, you want to have some women, right? Networking yeah. with you as well. Yeah, and you want to have their perspective and see what exactly. they're up so to. So you, you want to have people from the, you know, from the general population. And then also, I, I was at the conference, right? It was like 4,000 people. And they did a networking event on a rooftop right and of course there was just one elevator and then there were, you know there was a metal detector and they were checking um, they were checking you know five people okay in the elevator and they're checking you so it's easy to calculate how, how long it takes to to transport four thousand people to the rof- rooftop right. and one elevator and five people not a very logistically uh, uh, yeah there was a little bit of an issue so those four thousand guys were standing in line for a few hours right just to get to a rooftop to talk you know, to talk blockchain and drink some and eat some sandwiches. Well, you're saying it's not really focused even to... Yeah, I'm, say, I'm saying that the country... Yes, also it's very intimidating if you don't come from this blockchain world. And so we thought, and we were talking with Dan, we were on one of those conferences and we said, why don't you do a conference that is more about... It's not a money grab because most of them are about money, but why don't you do something... Because, uh, you know, it's something for Miami because Miami can be a, a new tech hub and I can talk about it. Why? I, there's a, a number of arguments. Why? Exactly thanks to blockchain, to this new wave of entrepreneurs, a new way of raising money from your balcony, uh, from your be- from the beach. <laughs> so you don't have to be next to VCs in Sand Hill Road or, or you know, Wall Street. But why not creating a conference that is educational? So anyone could join and learn about blockchain, what it really is. The whole story of, you know, Satoshi and Bitcoin and 
and everything surrounding it because most of the people you know i banks are inviting me to speak at their board meetings and uh, they actually uh, they just heard bitcoin and scam icos that's all they heard so you're saying that that blockchain shift is not going to be just for the insiders i'm saying yes we want to connect the blockchain world and the institutional world and the, the general public we want to say guys educate yourselves about this about the new internet you now know that you know many many people 20 years ago also it was about the infrastructure the, the modems the slow modems but people didn't know what the internet would end up being like what the, would be the purpose right they thought it's you know sending emails and buying diapers online so now blockchain we still know maybe five percent it's gonna transform dramatically over the next 20 years but the earlier you start the better everybody knows the classical example of you know the guy who didn't buy netflix uh, and uh, from blockbuster and instead of that he opened a bunch of stores and then went bust people who didn't buy google for one million and uh, you know barnes and noble who you know were not really thinking that amazon makes sense and people were saying that you cannot buy fashion online and well and of course then you have cloud the mobility and blah 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 same thing will happen to blockchain so learn as fast as possible then we're connecting the blockchain world with the institutional world. So we have many family offices, people from Wall Street, traditional investors, banks. And my partner then, is a, he is a partner in a law firm in New York, Sadis and Goldberg. And they have more than, than a thousand investment funds as clients. Hedge funds, VC funds, hedge funds, VC funds. So, uh, so he's bringing this whole Wall Street perspective. On our side, we're bringing the banks. Also, we're bringing the... Um, the local community because we're locals doing it for locals right it's not just oh let's party here for a week let's you know have some fun with some strippers and park park the lambos and blah blah and then boom gone we're really focused on making miami something more than what is perceived to be today most of the people in the u.s know less about miami than people from outside of the u.s from latin america from europe they think it's south beach yeah <laughs> so but it's not it's a massive agglomeration of 5.5 million people. We're the number one, we're the, I think we're the number one startup city now in the U.S. Yeah, we just we just passed Austin, I believe. Yeah. But also, which is crazy to me. <laughs> but also, you know what happens is that because people, it's going to be a city of entrepreneurs. It's going to be like the Singapore of the Americas, connecting Latin America and North America. Low taxes, great weather, great women, great infrastructure built for tourists, connection to Latin America, cheaper, lower cost of living. Also, you know, cheaper workforce and, you know, it's not, it's not like a guy moving to Silicon Valley from India immediately thinks that he should get $250,000, $300,000 a year. No. But, and then, and also the VCs there will be disrupted and they're useless for me, you know, and it's all about the spray and pray mentality and getting a big haircut from the investors. And a lot of money from, in Silicon Valley, by the way, and all those funds comes from Florida. They just invest in funds there. Oh. But they could invest directly in companies here because everyone, especially somebody with capital, understands a few industries, right? Yeah. So why do you need to give your money to VC and at the end get maybe 5 to 6% return, yearly return, IRR, over 10 years and it's not liquid. You have to sit there with your investment and wait until they kind of cash out the fund. And maybe they spotted one unicorn and, uh, you know, at the end, it's 90% goes bust in seed stage you know, startups in Silicon Valley because they invest all over the place. But at the same time, they're not able to invest in, you know, 
Silicon Valley failed to produce many, many real B2B startups, right? Like infrastructural software companies because the VCs are in, like to invest in consumer apps. Yeah, that's, the, that's the hot thing, thing the Snapchats, the Instagram. Yeah. yeah. So for a number of reasons. Or I can order a cab. Oh, really? Okay. Right? So we decided to make a conference that it's educational, premium in terms of, you know, the service, the food, networking infrastructure, connecting people to other people that they, you know, want to network with. And the sweet party at the end. <laughs> exactly. The party. Before the podcast on the phone, Alex and I were talking about uh, how much effort you put into the lineup and how sick it's going to be on, uh, on Friday, the night shift party. Yes. I was first time on Ibiza, maybe 1996. And I think that you know, I feel that Miami is lacking a little bit of that. You have different cool parties here. But uh, we have 10 great, amazing DJs, superstars, deep house or like, you know, sexy vocal. And it's over 12 hours, we'll have consistently good music over two stages, outdoor and indoor. Outdoor will be a little bit more chill, more Burning Man uh, with food and also lounge and a little bit of a different atmosphere. Inside, we'll, be, we'll have massive screen with a show and with and uh, VIP areas and it's open to the public. And we have also a tropical cocktail on Thursday, first day of the conference on the 11th, that will be also open to the public. Because we think why should it be just, you know, blockchain geeks talking to blockchain geeks all the time, right? Plus, all conferences are the same. It's all about ICOs. It's all about, you know, guys are talking to guys about pitch to think. It's kind of boring and at the same time useless. I know as somebody who sponsored and, you know, did my tour in the first part of 2000, 2018. And honestly, you know, I just don't want to leave Miami anymore. I, I hate wearing socks. <laughs> we can attest to that yeah so we decided to create this conference with Dan and you know, more partners and we really we implemented the principles of decentralization we have the leaders we have the ambassadors we have the sponsors the speakers everybody's helping to, to scale this so in five months I mean it's the first conference of course we, there will be mistakes so please don't don't judge us too, uh, too harshly too harshly, but we mean well, and it's not a money grab. The experience will be great, and uh, and we're happy to connect everyone to the right person, the, the person of interest or the company of interest. And like I said, you know, worst case is going to be lots of fun. And we see that you know, there's in different countries, in different cities in the U.S. You have now, you know. The LA blockchain week, the San Fran blockchain week, the New York blockchain week. So this will be the start of the Miami blockchain week. And we're actually talking to a few conferences. We say, guys, there's too many conferences happening around. Let's just do it all at once. So it's like Art Basel for blockchain and fintech. And we want to add AI, VR, and IoT and, and, uh, and create a whole week of events and parties and, uh, you know, crypto week. Or tech, tips, fintech, fintech crypto week. We'll come up with a much better name. Well, so far we're calling it the Miami Blockchain Week, right? And uh, since I think that in future blockchain will be like the glue for different, uh, you know, segments and uh, for different industries. So therefore, I think it makes sense to call it the Miami Blockchain Week. But blockchain is fintech, right? And then uh, you again works well with AI, works well with IoT, works well with virtual reality, and and um, 
and we wanted to make it a little bit edgy. No, that sounds awesome. It'll be interesting to see by next year how many groups and, and events you can get into one week and make it like kind of, like you said, the art basil of, of blockchain. That'd be really cool. So, in the spirit of connecting and, and educating people, um, do you have any resources that, that you like or that you use to learn more about crypto that you can recommend to our audience? Well, I started with a great book. the you know, conference itself. <laughs> no, sure. I mean, there's a great book called The Blockchain Revolution. I think uh, Dan uh, Tapscott. We'll link it up in the show notes. We'll, find, we'll look it so up. So, then there is another thing. The, I think it's called, it's called the Industrial Blockchain. It's also quite good. It's a good way to start. You forgot to say a bit cryptic podcast. A bit cryptic podcast <laughs> is a great way to learn about blockchain, I'm sure. But the uh, people tend to think of this. So uh, many people are investing in crypto. And when you cannot even say that you're investing in crypto because those are utility tokens, right? Just only the first, the first exchange, security token exchanges will kind of be go live right now. Right? And all, you know, some of them are going live, but until the end of the year, there will be a certain number of them. But you cannot invest in a utility token. Technically, it's uh, you. Even by saying this, you admit that it's a security. <laughs> so, uh, and many people are, we're going to invest in this token, but that already that defeats the purpose of the token because the token needs to have utility on day one. Yes. People need to buy it for the purpose of using it, right? You cannot, not with an expectation of profit, right? Then the network has to be built. You cannot fund the company with it. So there are many uh, reasons why the market is what it is today you know companies with with some kind of a legitimacy the tokens are going up and um, the shit tokens are going down and they will you know we actually i think issued a press release this week or next we're inviting icos who did uh, who raised money last year we invite them for free to blockchain shift we can pay for them even if they already spend all the money we can pay we give them half an hour on stage and let's say you have raised $50 million, 25. Well, tell us what, how did you spend the money? And you had 12 months. It's a lot for a startup. I mean, even a million dollars, you can create a product with a million dollars. You have, let's say you have 20. So tell us about the use of proceeds. Where's your product? Show us the team. You know, how is the adoption, the adoption plan? What have you done essentially? What have you done in 12 months? That right? Support. TED, TED style talk, right? Show us, you know, PowerPoint presentation. What did you do with the money? Well, we've called a few companies, but, you know, we haven't really seen a positive response. <laughs> it's not like they are. They don't want to lift their, uh, their skirt up and show the, the dirty things down below. <laughs> no, no, the SEC, I think the SEC has been quite reasonable. But at the same time, I think people, many people got subpoenas. Many people got cease and desist orders. Many people have been arrested. And I think it's good. I think it's good. Because at the end, uh, when you come up with a product that is real, solves a real need, where millions were invested, time and energy were invested in creating this, and you compete against scammers or just unprofessional people who are raising money and, you know, there will be, maybe there's no malicious intent, but there will never be anything behind it. So at the end, they just pollute the market. Yeah, it gives, gives all of blockchain a bad name is what yeah. you're saying. So let's clean it up as soon as possible and restart. We're lucky because the infrastructure, and you know, is, is is here, and the world 
communicate. So it didn't grow to a five trillion dollar bubble of shit tokens. You know, it was like 700 billion and then <laughs> deflated in, in six months. Good. So I hope it cleans up as soon as possible and there will be a new wave. There will be security tokens, there will be utility tokens, there will be cryptocurrencies, like, you know, commodity tokens. And this will be great. But let's do it in a legitimate way and stop saying weird things like, that's a new asset class, or there are no regulations, or there will be no banks, or there will be no government. Maybe at some point, everybody saw Star Trek. And I think it's a great, it's a great perspective. But it's not going to happen immediately. At any given point in time, you still need those structures, right? So, you know, change doesn't happen overnight. It's work. It's a process. It's going to take 20 years, 50 years. I don't know how long. And we're starting that process over here with Blockchain Shift and other similar authentic conferences. But in particular here, what you're working with Blockchain Shift is to make sure that the riffraff is not there and that you're able to bring together... Yeah, we're bringing legitimate players to the table. We have, uh, and also we have government officials speaking, the mayor of Miami, mayor of Coral Gables, lieutenant governor of Florida. We have, we have delegations from Malta, from the Bahamas. We have auditors, lawyers, family officers, family officers, investors, traditional investors. We have different companies that are in, in you know, issuing security tokens or helping companies structure a security token race. We have uh, many interesting startups. We have pitch competition with a real, I think now it's like, I think the price is about two hundred fifty or $280,000 in cash and in services. So if you do an STO, you could right there, you could, you know, you don't need to pay anybody else. You have people who will just guide you and they give you uh you don't need to pay an investment banker. You don't need to pay a token issuing platform. So we have those partners who are providing the price, right? But it's legit in accordance with the SEC regulations. So in a way, this is a call to all the serious entrepreneurs, especially people that want to enact change here in Miami. There's going to be a lot of folks there that if you have a good idea, I could put that into effect. You have ears there, so... Exactly. But also, we're launching the Florida Blockchain Foundation. That's a nonprofit with the goal of making Florida and Miami, especially Miami, as the unofficial capital of Florida, a new tech hub. And again, thanks to blockchain, now you can scale your business from here. So we want to work on the right legislation and regulations and tax incentives here for blockchain enabled businesses. We want to help move the state technologically public services, the blockchain. We have an amazing panel and it's, that's a company that I'm part of. It's called Skypath and uh, I'm on the advisory board and not announced yet, but will be the first ones. Your audience are the first ones to hear about Our it. First to hear it on a big cryptic podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's gun safety on blockchain, right? Gun safety on blockchain. Right. Huh. That's a new one I haven't heard before. And I've heard a lot of ideas on blockchain. <laughs> but it's more than an idea, but, uh, and it has the support of, uh, you know, various structures. At the end, uh, everybody's interested and, you know, you, you can track the provenance of a gun, you install a chip and then when when a guy, uh, when somebody comes, let's say you install scanners in uh, public places and perimeter of schools and then somebody uh, steps into the perimeter and then uh, the system knows that it's not the guard, sirens go off, the gun could be disabled remotely, possible thanks to the blockchain. And we have a panel of you know, people speaking on the subject. 
at the conference. They're not doing an, you know, they, they don't really need the utility token, but they're doing a security token offering. We're getting low on time, Alex. Yeah, sure. yeah no, we could, I'm sure we could keep talking for hours here, but um, we do want to cut it off at some point. So our, our good part I'll follow up. Yeah. 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 yeah, definitely. <laughs> we, probably, uh, we can make some bonus material, you know, for our audience. But I want to give the audience members, uh, speaking of enacting change, I want to change some of our listeners' lives by giving them the opportunity to go to blockchain shift. So we want to give you guys a little bit of a quiz based on your knowledge of blockchain, but also how well you were listening to this podcast. And the night shift, by the way. The night shift is included, which is our 12-hour uh, after party. Good music. And uh, yeah, Friday the 12th, 9 p.m. Alain and I are going to go back and forth and, and uh, read these questions. There's going to be five of these questions. And the first 10 people who email team at a bitcryptic.com, that's T-E-A-M at a bitcryptic.com, will win a ticket to blockchain shift. Yeah. So the first question is, what is the cryptographic algorithm that allows Bitcoin to work. Go ahead and reply to that. Send us an email with the answer to that and the cryptographic algorithm that essentially secures Bitcoin. Yeah. And put all, all five answers to these questions just yeah. to make it clear. Yeah. Not just one answer at a time, please. Yeah. Uh, so, Alain, second question. So, what theory of economics best aligns with cryptocurrency uh, overall? Third question is, what does Wish do? What does Alex's company Wish do? The next question is, what was the banking company Alex worked with before Park Capital? Again, what was the banking company Alex worked with before Park Capital? And the final question is, what was the problem with the rooftop party that Alex went to? <laughs> <laughs> that was a funny one. Yeah. There, there were a few problems. What yeah. was the principal problem that we talked about in this, in this we episode? Can the problem that there was 4,000 guys. Uh, wait, don't, don't, give, don't give away the answer. Don't give away the answer. <laughs> yeah, so shoot us an email with the answers to all those questions. And the first 10 folks that answer them correctly will get a ticket to blockchain shift and the after party. Again, email us at team, T-E-A-M, at a bitcryptic.com. Did I explain that what actually Wish does? That it's a messenger for people to transact with businesses because we touched on this, but uh, so they just explain and you plug it in somewhere or what? Yeah, well, we talked about it, but now now they just got a free a freebie there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you gave it away, Alex. You yeah. This is not how this works. You can cut it, fine. right? Cut, cut. <laughs> no, 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 we can we can leave it. Okay, we'll fine. leave it. And you got a freebie there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, most of these are Googleable anyway. So, yeah. so is there anything else you wanted to touch on before we leave? Uh, how, do, how do people find out more? Where should what oh, blockchainshift.io wish with a y w y s h dot a i parkcapital.io, night.blockchainshift.io, this is the night shift, and the Florida Blockchain Foundation.org. Uh, so you have your hands in a lot of cookie jars, my friend. Yeah. And <laughs> that's not even all of them. The main ones we talked about. Yeah. Twenty yeah, more cookie jars. He's, he's, a, he's an octopus here. He's a lot, of, a lot of cookie jars to cover. Anyway, thank you so much for coming on our podcast, Alex. I learned thank a you, lot. Jeff. Thank you, Wayne. Yeah, you're up to uh, things here in Miami uh, and everywhere else, I'm sure. Thank you, guys. Thank you for having me. It's great to talk to people who are trying to really build community and then build something that benefits society as a whole. So we are uh, aligned with your mission here and hopefully 
we see good things and we can talk next year and see what progress you've done and how you spent the money and uh yeah we're, we're gonna call you on stage yeah. you're gonna have, we're gonna have to show you what you've done a year from now so i need to follow up all right we're gonna close it off and uh, let alex get to his next meeting which was supposed to start an hour ago yeah thank you so much for uh coming on the podcast alex thank you gentlemen thank you for listening to a bit cryptic podcast a bit cryptic podcast is hosted by Alain Leon. Dang Du, and myself, Jeff Peterson. Show notes are by our editor-in-chief, Dang Du. Website is by Sammy Toucan and his team at Pack Surge Media. Remember, nothing we say in this show is meant to be financial advice. If you like this episode, please share it with your friends and family. Thank you for listening, and remember, keep it cryptic.